Ellie Harrison here. Uh, and this is the Ellie and Oliver show on the 14th of December 2012. It's Friday morning. It's a live show. It's the third to last show. Is that the right way that we say it? There's three more shows left. That's the general vibe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Last week, I think we had quite a good show and we resolved a lot of issues, I hope. Uh, after we finish recording this show, we are going to go and have a little day out or a little afternoon out together. It's getting to that sort of time of the year. I guess so, yeah. Um, now, something quite important happened this week uh, for both me and Ellie. I don't know, well, let's, I'm trying to think about how we can introduce it, but we've talked about it before on the show a little bit, Ellie. I know you want to talk about it later, so I don't want to steal your thunder. But for the last kind of year and a half, maybe two years, we've been kind of attending every three weeks uh, a therapy group or an experiential group for artists called Artists Anonymous, where we discuss our problems. And this Tuesday, uh, or rather where we discuss the stresses and strains associated with being an artist. Yeah, basically our problems. So this Tuesday was the f- grand finale of Artists Anonymous. Yeah. No more Artists Anonymous now. All therapy has been postponed. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, one of the things that we talked about a lot was rejections. I'm not really supposed to talk about the content of the session, but I'll just talk about that idea that we discussed that. Um, and this week I've had quite a complicated relationship to rejections. We were trying to choose a theme and I found it very difficult because I'm conscious that this is the last time that I get to choose a theme. Um, unless we choose one communally next week. But what sort of happened is I haven't actually chosen this theme. It's It was introduced to me as a good idea and it, it seemed annoyingly like it was such a good topic that I couldn't really ignore that suggestion. So we are doing rejections. We could say that I've rejected my free will <laughs> in order to make this choice. But yeah, I've had an odd relationship to rejections this week because I... Um, I did get full funding from Creative Scotland, as you know anyway, Ellie. Yeah. So I'm not going to say it to you like a surprise. But I got all my funding from Creative Scotland to go to France next year, which I was really pleased about because I w- sort of wasn't expecting it because I have been rejected a couple of times before. Um, but I just kept on going. And I think like also at the same time, I, I think I did things to try and make myself a more eligible candidate for investment. So I did keep on working towards not being rejected eventually. And I think that that's something that we're doing with our lives all the time. Every time something disastrous happens to me, I like to think that I'm taking on board something from it so as to help me. But the problem is it doesn't really help me cope with rejection any better. It almost makes me question the rejection more, actually, because then when I do get rejected, I'm just like, what on earth can I possibly do more to make myself a better person? Because really that's the outcome of every rejection that I've experienced is, you know, you just think, well, I'm going to become an even better person then because that's the only way you can get around with it. Like, you know, because that's the only way that you can get your own back on the rejector. You just say, well, I've just become an even better person then I'll just keep on improving myself. 
but it doesn't really help you cope with the actual phenomenon of um, rejection. Well, that's something that I'd like to talk about, actually, the actual phom- phenomenon of rejection, mm. because this comes out of Artists Anonymous, and we do have a trained psychoanalytic psychotherapist who sits in on our sessions and analyzes us as we communicate with each other. I think she's looking more for sort of incidental things that go on, like the unspoken dynamics of the group Mm -hmm. rather than the things that we say. But she is from a psychoanalytic background, so she's obviously from a bit of a Freudian school, believes all of that Freudian stuff. But there was this... We've talked about rejection in the past... And we talked a little bit about where, you know, why we have such a fear of rejection. Because Mm -hmm. she was saying that a lot of the behavior that we, you know, our relationship with other people is completely mediated by this ultimate fear of rejection, Mm. which comes from the ultimate rejection. And I know she didn't actually do this, like, graphic hand movement during the session, but she was referring to the moment when you're born. The vaginal expulsion. When you're ultimately rejected from your mother's womb. And that that scars you for the rest of your life, and that that makes you, like you said, desperate for attention or desperate to be liked because Mm. of this ultimate fear of rejection. It's funny because in a way you'd think there's something quite freeing about getting outside of that constricted space and you wouldn't really think... I mean, I wonder whether I do think about... I mean, I never, I've never thought about being given birth to as the ultimate rejection really beforehand. No, that's because you're not a psychoanalytic I know, I know, I know. So I don't look for penises in cigars or whatever (laughs) all the time. I mean... What is that quote? Like, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. I don't know where that's from. But yeah. I might, it might be a kind of psychoanalytic, psychoanalyst joke, actually, rather than an actual quote. It sounds like it could be a sort of thing that they'd laugh about. Yeah, psychoanalysis in joke. Um, is that crane still out there, by the way? Oliver? Yeah, there's a massive big crane out there. Because I was referring to it because it, it's rather phallic form. Oh, yeah, there it is, poking out for all to see. <laughs> Well, they're everywhere. Look at these cactuses on the window. <laughs> um, yeah, it's quite strange because I think like rejection has definitely, definitely like shaped my life to such a massive extent, really. Mm. Because and from a really young age, I was thinking particularly. I remember being about f- six or seven years old or something, and sort of knowing at that time that I was quite interested in the male anatomy. Right. And simultaneously from that young age, well, I remember telling my mum once when I was about that age, and she said, I don't remember what she said, but it obviously must have fucked me up horrifically. I remember her saying something like, that's really dirty, you must never ever do that again. And so from that age, that must have been on her mind. And I remember my dad around the same time when I must have been about seven or eight, sort of coming out with some kind of thing like, I'd rather have a dead son than a gay son. And so I think from all that time, like from a very young age, what I was always thinking of actually was like, at some point, what I'm going to have to do is survive until I'm 18 in this space and try and be as quiet about it as I can, which obviously I wasn't because I used to put my internet on the the, phone number on the internet and strange men would find my parents had stuff. I was kind of a glutton for punishment. But yeah, I was always thinking, well, I'll just be quiet until I'm 18 because I know that ultimately these people are going to reject me and then I can escape. And I, I do think that th- because that really formed a huge part of my mentality. Because also, you know, 
from as I got a bit older, I can't remember when my mum would have first said this, but this idea that she's said quite a lot of times and she says a lot more as I've got older because I think she thinks I can cope with it. But this idea like, oh yeah, if I had my time again, I definitely wouldn't have children or like having children is like the worst mistake that you can ever make in your life. So I think like I have experienced um, kind of other things that seem more like the ultimate, like they're still the ultimate rejection, yeah. like their parental yeah. rejection. And so I think it has shaped my life, but not in a way that I think all the time about myself as... Because I think when when you're shaped psychically like that or psychoanalytically, whatever, like you don't, you're not really noticing those things all the time. It more just changes your reaction to everything all the time. And I think that's why I can be quite needy in lots of situations now. Mm. It's all right. It's all right. I mean, it's just a situation. It's not ideal, but it's just a situation. You're making me really glad that it's not me that's asking you to leave the house rather than. You've made that decision autonomously, yeah. otherwise, bloody hell, be bloody... All my parents have rejected me. Oh, my God. <laughs> but it's so... T- that's that's just so horrific, what you had to go through. And my parents never did anything like that to me. I've had much more of a sound upbringing. But I think it has made... It has done some... It's done something good in that I think it makes me feel so guilty all the time about the being a human that it makes me try to be really nice all the time, even if I'm not. And actually, I don't feel like I'm ever a nice person. Like, I just feel bad all the time because I'm, I suppose I'm constantly still reeling from those... Re- or, like, yeah, maybe I'll just never get over those rejections. I did think about it a lot more since we discussed it in the group, really. It's difficult, though, even more difficult for you. Like, this is going to sound really horrible. <laughs> I really don't know if I should say it. No, go on, say it. I can take it. Because you've, you've never really had... Well, you've said on previous shows that you've never really had that feeling of the opposite of yeah. rejection, like actually totally being accepted. Apart from hope, f- maybe maybe from me? Have I accepted you? Am I just an asshole too? Not when you don't let me go to the toilet after half eleven at night. It's no. difficult how you interpret rejection, isn't it? I mean, like, I do think that that's why I'm so obsessed with friends, my friends and other people. Like, I get so into them because I don't really have any... I mean, this sounds... I'd feel bad if my parents ever listened to this, but realistically, I mean, the situation is it's not like I really have any family because, you know, me and my mum don't talk on the phone. We talk on email occasionally, but we mostly just antagonise each other because there is still this massive unspoken issue that, you know, my lifestyle choices, unfortunately, like, completely... My parents really felt they had no choice, I think, but to just... Or I've... Yeah, I don't know. In a way, you could argue, I mean, the whole nature and nurture argument about how people become gay, but you could you could, you could, could argue that your lifestyle choices are actually, like, a real rejection of theirs. Yeah, I mean, they are. They are or more uh, refutation, refutation... It's more like if you're placed in a situation, I think, where you see uh, all the all the lifestyle choices I made. Actually, if you see like you're placed into a situation, you grow up where you're just in this like a heterosexual couple yeah. with like a fairly decent amount of money. You know, like they can afford to build a house, have like cars, go on holiday all the time. But none of that makes them happy. In fact, all it does is make them argue continuously. Like my parents pretty much argued every single night, and so. Quite aggressively, quite aggressively. Um, so That's yeah, it made me realise that none of that means anything really. It doesn't mean anything. It makes me think. I, I um, 
I listened to a podcast about Russo, one of those philosophy rights things, and I'm sure mm. it was Russo who was saying, because they were compa- comparing Russo and Marx and how Marx had this big critique of of society of capitalist society, but he saw it as an evolution to get to communist society, whereas Russo just had a big cri- critique of modern society because he thought there was nothing good about it at all, mm. and then he thought that we should reject all of the trimmings and all of the stuff that is like um, meant to make us feel fulfilled and go back to a really primitive Just lifestyle. become noble savages. Yeah. I like to think about myself as a bit of a noble savage, pretty yeah. much dressed in rags all the time. <laughs> but um, I, uh, I don't know. I wrote down something to do with moments, actually. I can't remember. It's not really related to... Rege- I think it is related a little bit to rejection. Just before anything happens, I just wanted to throw this into the mix and then we should probably play a song. Mm-hmm. But it was only this morning when I woke up and it was the 14th of December and I was like, I knew we were going to do rejections and I was like, shit, because the la- over the last week I've had two interviews for two rather massive things that if I get will change the course of my life and I'm expecting to hear back from decisions on both of those things uh, today this morning maybe even so I have my phone on if my phone rings at some point during the show then we kind of thought that I'd pick it up because I might be getting a live rejection live rejection or like I hope that you're accepted onto at least one of these things because then both of us will have had really nice news this week and we can yeah. go out this afternoon and just have a lovely time. Simultaneously, I hope it doesn't play during the song, though. I hope they don't ring during the song. Do you want me to play my song first or do you want to play yours first? You make well, a choice. I've got to give a very brief intro to mine, so it's just up to you, whichever you prefer. Can I can I play mine? Yeah, of course you can. I mean, mine's a bit of a long-winded introduction, but I think it might lead into some of the stuff that we can talk about after the song. Okay, cool. Well, last week, as I said, I made a big long list of playlists of music that I wish I'd have played earlier mm. on the song, bands that I really like. And, and one of them is um, Devo. Oh, Devo. Are you a fan of Devo? I don't know them, actually. I'm oh, well, familiar. I'm going to play the song. Um, and actually, this morning when I was at the pool, they, they had a Real Excess classic rock station on. <laughs> My fave. <laughs> they went. They, they, they switched off Radio One for some reason. Anyway, they were playing the Stones' "Satisfaction." I started to think about this idea of satisfaction and and how that relates to rejection. This ah, oh, that's why I wanted to talk about Russo. The fact that we're never really ever satisfied, and we don't necessarily know what we want because when you are rejected by a person, maybe it makes you more inclined to keep going back for more because you're searching mm. for this sort of satisfaction, which is elusive to a certain extent. And that's why I wanted to talk about moments because satisfaction is quite fleeting. So we'll play Satisfaction, which is the cover by Devo, and um, then we'll have more of a chat afterwards. Yeah. Let's do it. Whoop. Okay. 
right. That's what you are listening to now. <laughs> and that was Devo. Did you like Devo, Oliver? Yeah, I thought it was nice. So B, it was cheerful. I, mu- I must admit, I was slightly distracted by a Christmas present order that I was placing on Amazon at the same time. Oliver, you should be boycotting Amazon. I'm sorry. Why? Is it really bad these days? Tax evading scum. And you, over the course of this year, have made a realisation. The tax evasion is naughty. It's really... I know. It's really naughty. I'm have sorry. Have you placed the order I did yet? not know that. And I have placed the order... I really recommend other places. Like I feel terrible because it was actually something for you that I ordered. Oh so I've made God. it even worse. Oliver. I've made it even bloody worse. Oh my Because I was, I was buying some Christmas presents mm-hmm. like for my niece and nephew. And I just found myself on Amazon. I was like, what the hell am I doing? How can I do this? So I bought them from the book depository. And I don't know about their like, tax oh, I'm sure they're all bloody evading tax left, right and centre. No, Lush don't apparently. Lush uh, well, yeah, take Lush, That's because Lush are... A great company. Yeah, just mention Lush because I gave Oliver some gifts from Lush, which I got from for for free. (laughs) But (laughs) the thing that I wanted to say after this, just to open up discussion more, relating more back to to Artists Anonymous, Mm -hmm. what was so interesting about our discussion at Artists Anonymous was, I guess we were kind of making an analogy between uh, the rejection that you might feel on a professional level, like when you get rejected from jobs or funding applications or exhibitions or what have you, that we all have to deal with quite mm-hmm. a lot as artists. And and uh, equating that to the rejection that you feel from relationships. Mm. And I began to see like a real sort of analogy, I suppose, in terms of coping strategies. And we talked a lot about coping strategies and how you may try to behave in a way to minimise the impact of rejection. But our therapist's take on it was that it's always going to be, it's always going to be, feel horrible. Yeah, it seemed like what she was actually suggesting was that coping strategies was just a way to evade having to deal with the emotions associated with rejection. So it felt like she wasn't really saying it was a great idea and... Like, for me, like, I'm someone who really deliberately seeks out ways to avoid emotion. And I think, like, it it might be better for me to do... Well, I'm a real wallower as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, sorry, I cut you off. You continue to talk. Well, no, you you didn't cut me off. You were going to... I mean, you were going to talk a bit before the break about this up and down relationship with rejection i mean i if i think about it in terms of relationships and how i've responded to rejection because i guess i didn't really ever have to deal with rejection until i was about 30 because i was just in one relationship Mm. and rejection i had to deal with rejection in my professional life and i developed strategies for dealing with that but i didn't rejection for me in terms of love and relationships is quite a new phenomenon Mm, and it was quite uh, difficult and it still is quite difficult to get used to and I think in those three years since I've been like liberated (laughs) like I think I've probably had to experience more rejection than I have done rejecting but that maybe that's just because I'm too over enthusiastic and I'm keen to be accepted I think I'm quite keen to be rejected (laughs) I think I did sometimes do I mean I do actually consciously I talk about this in lots of different therapeutic situations but there are times when I know that I'm deliberately sabotaging because I think I'm very 
not so much addicted to the feeling of rejection, but I'm very comfortable with it. Like, it's kind of something... I don't want this to be like, oh, my God, everyone pity me. But, like, I think, like, it's not, like, been a theme of my existence, but it's been a kind of constant feature of my experiences in, to a situation in which it's not exactly dramatic anymore. It's just, like, a comfort zone in a way. Like, yeah, well, of course, you know, to to the point that I don't really have much of a concept of... Uh, being accepted in fact I don't really feel like I do have much of a concept of what it would be to be accepted and I'm not saying you know like I do feel like me and you have a really good relationship you know there's been points sometimes yeah but that's you know and with all my friends I mean I really love spending time with other people but yeah I, I do feel like it's a constant I think the problem is and this maybe more relates to what I was getting so excited about Russo is that you that you do have a hypothetical concept of what it would be like to be accepted. Like, you have an idea of what acceptance... An ideal of what acceptance might feel like. Mm -hmm. But in reality, I don't think it's ever going to match up to that. I think... Well, I think expectation in terms of rejection is a massive problem because just to go back to, you know, when I was... (laughs) Just to go back to when I was growing up, not to make it... But this isn't psychoanalysis because this is actually when I'm a teenager, so it's later. It's actually more like chemical, I think. It's more to do with your brain changing shape at certain times or I think it's affected me in that way is that, you know, because my parents did argue every night and neither of them I knew secretly were going to be that wild about me as a human being when I grew up. So I didn't really spend any time with them. And I did have, like, friends and stuff, but I just, when I think about, like, growing up in that house in Beaudley, just in the countryside, the majority of what I remember is just being in my room all the time listening to music or watching television and just like fantasizing not in an erotic way but just having just like having these fantasies about meeting someone who was going to like change my life or take me away from this situation and I've still always had that like whenever I felt strongly about someone if I'm at work or I'm really bored I just imagine them turning up but I think it's because yeah I mean basically I spent most of my young and even all the way up to like 16, 17, just sat in my room on my own thinking about how things were going to be so much better when I was free of that situation and I was going to be like accepted. But of course, once I got out of that situation, actually like it's never ever been how I thought it was going to be at all. I know. It's different. And it's better, of course, but there's still never been that, like, you know, Disney moment. I think it's just the problem with fantasizing at all. Yeah. Like, I mean, when I was swimming this morning, I was telling you that I was playing out in my head the different realities. Should I be accepted or rejected for either one of these things I've had interviews for? And I was playing out those different realities in my head and imagining that it would be okay either way. Mm-hmm. But actually, like you said, there's, you mean there's no point doing that at all because w- even if I do get <laughs> accepted, the reality <laughs> of going and doing either of those things is not going to be yeah. that fun. Well, you'll still feel like, you know, once, say, if you went to one of those things, you would meet people involved with that, these things <laughs> that we're not talking about. Um, and you might feel rejected by them 
So instantly you'd be back into that situation. I mean, the the problem for me, which I'm definitely identifying at the minute, is I spent so long kind of yearning for acceptance or looking for just one person to make me feel better about myself. And that the Because also I feel very responsible for the fact that my parents' marriage fell apart because that was kind of said to me a lot. Like if you hadn't come along, we wouldn't, you know, your father was a very different man before you. So I think I was looking for like one person to make me feel better about myself. And until that happens, I don't think I can really like commit to a proper more adult relationship like I think I need to be really nurtured which is so annoying because I'm 28 and I really feel like people shouldn't have to be doing that but I just think like that is definitely the vibe like if someone's interested then they have to really invest okay they have to really invest but last week's the revelations on last week's show yeah but that was I've been thinking about that as well you know it doesn't it doesn't have to be all or nothing oliver you can have oh yeah it can be this other thing but that's a different situation because for me like that guy i didn't tell i don't know if i did tell you this actually but i found him on facebook and his facebook picture is like him and his girlfriend yeah and so like morally that feels very wrong to me even though it's just like i mean he's rejecting his girlfriend but if she doesn't find out it's cool right for him but yeah. maybe not for me. Maybe not for her. Maybe yeah. not for her. Maybe it's a bad situation. Does make you think about the whole world, though. Like no yeah. one's there for you, even if you think they are. Oh, that's a horrible way to end the show, isn't because it? Because I listened to the show last week, and I, you know, when I said I was going to go to the hospital and pick you up, yeah, and I didn't just say that because I felt obliged. I said that because I thought. I wanted to. No, that's really I sweet of you. To be there for you. It's so difficult because I can't imagine that anyone would want to do that, and I think that that's a real problem because then I think it also plays a role in me projecting onto other people, and that. Well, anyway, this is awful, isn't it? Is it time for a song? It's time I want for to the end final. on a happy note because the thing is, well, <laughs> well. Whatever. I don't know what I've got what, to say about what's positive about rejections. Whatever don't kill what what don't kill you make you stronger. Precisely. Lovely way to end. So I'm just going to introduce this song. We might go a little Defo's going to go a bit over, but I think it's really important to have this introduction. This is by um it's a song, it's called Chum, and it's by Earl Sweatshirt. I've been listening to this song a lot this week, like loads and loads on repeat. I just think it's beautiful. What I wanted to say was like, Earl Sweatshirt, when he first came out, he was 16 years old. He's he's a rapper, I guess. He's in this collective called Odd Future Wolfgang Kill Them All. Do you know that? No. Anyway, it's pretty... The first album, he was 16, and it, the content is really, really aggressive. Like, he says faggot in pretty much every song. Like, he talks a lot about raping women and stuff like that. But the Sounds de- lovely, Oliver. But the delivery, his delivery, like, his, his rhythm is just, like, it's amazing. For a 16-year-old, it's absolutely amazing. I don't want to patronise him. But then what happened was, because he was, like, really, I guess, out of control... He disappeared and like the New York Times or something had an article that's like, where is your sweatshirt? And people just didn't know what was happening. And what had happened is his mom had sent him to Samoa from Los Angeles or wherever he's from. I think he's from L.A. His mom had just sent him to Samoa to like become a better person. I think to like school in Samoa, special school in Samoa. And then so then all these people made a big fuss like, where's your sweatshirt? 
And anyway, he's been brought back to America now because it was a bit like he was just sent off. Yeah. Um, and so now he's 18 and this is his new song or it came out like maybe a couple of months ago, maybe a month ago or something. This is his new song and he just talks about what happens after he left America. But then also when he's brought back and I don't think he feels now that he's been to Samoa, it seems like he doesn't feel entirely comfortable with this American way of life. And he feels a bit... It just seems he, like he feels a bit lost completely. Maybe it's a bit like Russo. Yeah. It's just a... I mean, I think you've just got to realise when you... Or just for me, what makes it really special is just thinking, this boy is like 18 years old. His delivery is amazing. And like his thoughts... That's, he's 10 years younger than me. He was born in 1994. Anyway, yeah. I just want to hear it now. Chum sweatshirt. Okay. Check it out. Sinister to it, pendulum swinging slower, degenerate moving through the city with criminal stealth. Welcome to enemy turf, harder than immigrants work. Golf is just in my shirt. Get up off the pavement, brush the dirt up off my psyche. Psyche. It's probably been 12 years since my father left. Left me fatherless. And I just used to say I hate him in dishonest chest. When honestly I miss this nigga like when I was six. And every time I got the chance to say it, I was swallowing 16. I'm hollowing tolerance, skip shots of storm. That whole bottle, I show you a role model. Drunk pissy, pissing on somebody front lawn. Trying to figure out how and when the fuck I miss moderate. Mama often was offering peace, offering stink. Weeds cough, scoffing, and he's off again. Searching for a big brother, Tyler was that. Plus, he like how I rap. The blunt and mice the trap. Too black for the white kids and too white for the blacks. From on the road to cracking locks up off them bicycle racks. I'm indecisive, I'm scatterbrained, and I'm frightened. It's seven and in them eyes where he hiding all the bicycles at. Something sinister to it. The pendulum swinging slower, degenerate moving. Through the city with criminal stealth, welcome to enemy turf. Harder than immigrants work, golf is just in my shirt. Get up off the pavement, brush the dirt up off my psyche. Psyche. Bars, riding hearts, bottomless pit Was mobbing deep as 96, havoc and prodigy did it We were the potty mouth posse Crashed the party and dipped with all belongings To toss them out to the audience Nothing was fucking awesome Trying to make it from the bottom it says Feeling as hard as Vince Carter's knee cartilages Supreme garment and weed gardeners Garnish and splits with Keith particles And entering apartments with zine article Tolerance for boundaries I know you happy now Craving in these complex fuck niggas that track me down just to be the guys that did it like i like attention not the type where niggas trying to get a raise in my expense i'm supposed to be grateful right like thanks so much you made my life harder and the ties between my mom and dad strained and tightened even more than they were before all of this shit been back a week and i already feel like calling it quits something sinister to it the pendulum swinging slower degenerate moving through the city with criminal stealth welcome to enemy turf harder than immigrants work golf is just in my shirt Get up off the pavement, brush the dirt up off my psyche, psyche.
Thank you.